Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. wondrous, fascinating, and perhaps new Coach Taku listeners. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I am your host, Christina Stathopoulos, joined by your better host, Mary. And this week, we are covering Fruits Basket, the final. So at time of recording, uh, we are coming off the the final of final episodes of Fruits Basket, the reboot, airing on Crunchyroll, everyone getting their amazing experience of it. We've covered Fruits Basket a couple of times now on the podcast because it's one of my all-time favorites, but in case you somehow have still missed the memo, it's a really great series about a high school girl who unintentionally uncovers the secret of the somas, which is that they are all cursed by the animals of the zodiac, and that when they are hugged by the opposite gender, they turn into the animal that they represent. And part of the reason why we are revisiting Fruits Basket one more time is because it really is just one of those shows that is so rich with themes like authenticity and relationship and connection And the other reason, candidly, is because it's our podcast and we get to do whatever we want. And I, for one, am so freaking excited by how well this reboot was received. For anyone who didn't know, they actually originally animated this series in the early 2000s, but it was before the manga was finished. So it was one of those, you know, single season spinoff where they had to like make a vague, ambiguous ending because they didn't know how the show is actually going to end. And at least today on July 1st, which is when we're recording this particular episode, peek behind the curtain, um, it's actually surpassed Full Metal Alchemist on myanimelist.com as the number one anime of all time. So it's just been really heartwarming to see a series that's near and dear to my heart have its reboot uh, receive such positive reception from everyone. Anything you want to add about the series, Mary? You know, Christina, I think this is one of those series that I kind of grew up with. And I think a lot of people did too. Like I remember, I think I was in high school when I first started watching this, you know, Fruits Basket for the first time. And now like years later, here's a reboot. And I think what I love about it is just the perspective that I can bring to the story now, as well as how true the story stayed to the manga because I felt like it followed it really well. And it was really nice to see the the different character design, but remaining true to the story. Yeah, and so for this week, we're going to do a little bit of a combo here, kind of similar to when we covered Sailor Moon Eternal. We are, of course, going to have a little bit of a coaching conversation, but we're also just going to fangirl and share some of our favorite moments or things that we loved most about this particular final season of the reboot. 
Um, and from a coaching perspective, I, I hinted at it earlier, but really the conversation that we want to have is one around connection and how we create connection with others. And something that's stupendous about all of the relationships in a series like Fruits Basket is you really get to look at what connection looks like when you create it from an authentic place or even an empowered place, like a place that really represents something that is aligned with who you are, aligned with your values, aligned with the vision of your life, versus when you create connection from an inauthentic place. Could be the rules, obligation, keeping up appearances, <laughs> you name it, we got it. Yeah, when you first introduced the theme, Christina, the first thing that, I, that came to mind was Aikido, what not to do <laughs> to create meaningful connections. But there are so many different characters. And I think what I loved about uh, the finale is that we start to see how each of these characters is coming into their own. And you know, Christina, that you're big on visual storytelling, but one of my favorites was Momo, because when we first are introduced, like season one, Momo's this cute little guy, you know, he had, he looks like he's five and he turns into a bunny. But then in season three, he's like full grown and he looks so much more himself, so much more confident, so much more powerful, so much more, a lot more ownership of who he is and what he wants. Yeah, Momo's a great example of his physical aging and transformation <laughs> manifesting him coming into his own. And, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, what really struck strikes me about him as a character is like the emotional maturity that he brings, but also the deliberate egging on that he brings to get Kyo to also show up and be more authentic about his connection to Toru and what kind of connection he actually wants with Toru. Because, you know, something that's really amazing about this final season is they somehow strike a really great balance of creating a conclusion for the entirety of the Soma family and its curse and still really honing in on the will they, won't they dynamic of Kyo and Toru's like tiptoeing over the feelings that they so fucking clearly have for each other to everyone but each other. It wouldn't be, a, you know, it wouldn't be high school if it didn't have that kind of drama, low drama, Christina. And they are high school students at this point in time. But I think it's, I think that's, so as I'm watching the whole story progression and here in season three, where we're reaching this conclusion, you know, what strikes me in terms of connection is just that they thought they had very little choice into building outside relationships. And their whole lives, they thought it would go one way. And then here comes this <laughs> random girl who's just being herself and just being kind. And I, I think kindness has a lot to do with this. And then she comes in and she kind of really disrupts this dynamic and really makes each of the characters question, what would it be like to actually form relationships outside of this family, outside of the way that I've been taught, outside the way that I know? And then in season three, you really have them questioning themselves and what they want for the future and how to build that future and almost like rebelling against the idea of how it has to go. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
God, you could look at how each of them take on this rebellion (laughs) in their own ways. But one of the characters that I kind of give it up for the most is probably Yuki and his growth and development in this final season. Because, you know, Yuki is very much like the, the colder, more detached foil to Kyo's kind of like tsundere personality, where you see him in that, you know, he is naturally very polite and very well-spoken and very graceful. But what we know about him is that it's also a huge front that he has put up, A, to avoid intimate connections with people, and B, to avoid really having to think about his quote-unquote truth, which is that he's trapped to the Soma family and that he as the mouse seems to be in some ways the most ensnared by Akito, given the close relationship that the god figure and the rat figure are meant to have with one another. And something that's so fun about him in this final season is watching his own, spoiler alert, love story unfold with Maki because it's like the Yuki that you see in that relationship is such a different Yuki that you see from any of the other interactions that he has with any of the other characters in the series. You know what's more fun like for me what struck me is that Machi herself I think what the Machi storyline presents for Yuki is a reflection in a sense. Because he realizes that in many ways, whether you're part of the Soma family or not, people can be trapped and alone in very different ways. And I think when he first meets Machi, there's this kind of um, kinship between them because he understands her loneliness and he understands her isolation. And I think that part of him that connects to her really wants to be there for her in a way that he's never had to be there for anyone before. So I love their story progression also because Machi is very socially awkward. <laughs> and, and so you see like these really quirky, fun moments between them. But I think the other the other thing that struck me about season three, the finale, is like, it's almost like as I was watching it more and more, I saw the duality between Toru and Akito. And almost like they're almost like they're two parts of the same person where one is very pure and kind, and then the other side is that darker, more unempowered (laughs) place that we can all come from. But when you look at them, they're both coming from a similar story where they were both, you know, where Toru didn't have a family in the beginning. Her mom died and her dad died as well. She was isolated. You can argue that Akito felt that same loneliness because of the position that she was placed in. It's just that they acted very differently and showed up very differently in their connections. And so it was really fun to watch that duality come together towards the end and see how they're actually so similar. Yeah, and you know, I think something that really drives that home is I believe it's the second or third to last episode of the entire season. We finally have the moment where we get retold the story of God and the Zodiac. And talk about authentic versus interpretation here for a second, because for nearly the entire series, how the story has been presented is that, you know, the beloved God 
decided to extend invitations to a certain number of animals and they all joined the banquet. And the one cat that like the one spirit that was invited who was tricked into not coming was the cat. And so for almost the entire series, the cat is vilified in a lot of ways. You know, he's stupid, he's less than, he's the outsider. And we see a lot of the negative consequences that has had on the possessor of the cat curse for all these generations afterwards. But in this particular episode, rather than God being, you know, this all-powerful, benevolent entity, God's actually depicted as someone who's completely alone, who's never had a friend, who's never had a companion. And the very first creature to be there for him is the cat. And as that story unfolds, what you discover is perhaps the truth behind why the cat is villainized is because as God is telling the rest of the animals, you know, we're going to live together forever. We're going to be bound by this pact that we have with each other and we'll be reborn again and again to get to come together. The cat goes, I don't need that. And I'm actually sad that you made me have it with you. Not because I don't love you, but because to me, what matters is cherishing the time that we have. And so what you realize is that it's not that the cat is a villain, but God is so threatened by what the cat has said and so personally insulted by it because of God's own insecurities that flash forward to now and you see Akito as the same insecure I won't have anyone unless I have this curse binding people to me figure. Yeah. And uh, from the coaching perspective, it's like when we're trying to create connect, when we're creating connections, you can see that at the beginning of God's story with the cat, there's a genuine kinship. There's a genuine attraction on both ends and neither it's not forced. It just flows. The cat wants to be around God because it says, I've been watching you for a while and I kind of want to hang around you. You're cool. And then because there's this attachment from God, I guess, and then look, we can have this conversation about ourselves because once we experience something, we're afraid to lose it. So then we can act in all kinds of funky ways to kind of keep it, which for God meant <laughs> we're going to be together forever. <laughs> Talk about attachment. And what happens when you create that kind of relationship, when you're super attached to the results without really giving the other person independent will or freedom or the ability to choose in? Well, it doesn't usually work well, as you can see from the story. And then when we look at Toru in contrast, the thing about Toru that's magical is that she, she's just there to listen and to be kind. She never forces any of the relationships, even when they're like really aggressive with her. All she's there for is to provide space. And that actually provides all of these zodiac animals kind of a different experience because how many iterations of this have they gone through at this point? Yeah. And so, you know, in some ways, what you end up seeing is that when these characters are granted the permission to just be exactly as they are and exactly who they are, that's when they really open up and light up and become the best versions of themselves. And so I'm curious, Mary, as we you know reach the end of our 
wrap up of the series probably for a little bit, unless they ever actually commit to this spinoff that there are rumors of, you know, who are some of the characters that you want to give a shout out to for, you know, the transformations that they underwent or the way that they reinvented how they connect with others that we would be remiss not to look at or celebrate? What a loaded question, Christina. I think one of my favorite interactions was, well, I already mentioned Momo, but also I think Haru and Ren, just watching their relationship progress throughout the story and kind of get to a point where um, their bond is stronger than anything else. And so they choose each other. And I thought that was a beautiful moment and also shows their growth to choose outside of something that is really hard to choose out of. Um, but I think the other, you know, and the other transformation that I think I have to mention is just Aikido's because in the end, she actually did choose to give everyone their freedom, which was totally contrast to what we'd seen the whole other two seasons and even through season three <laughs> and so I think there's something really powerful about letting go of the attachment letting go of the way that it has to the way you think it has to go and then being okay with it falling apart and being alone and creating something new I think that takes a lot of bravery a lot of courage yeah you know I, I have to confess that I think Akito does go through a really incredible transformation across the series. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just not a very forgiving person, but I think she got off a little easy. I think she got off a little easy there. You know, it's interesting, like talking about connection and how we connect to things. When I read this series as like a young teenager, I was like, yes, it's angsty and, and Shigure is going to be there for her no matter what. And now as, you know, almost a 30 something year old adult, I'm like, these people are crazy. <laughs> this is not, not a healthy relationship, but outside my own opinions of what is or isn't healthy, I think for me, two of the like relationships that I really want to shout out, uh, one is to no surprise, Kyo's. Because um, I really think for him, his willingness to confess to Toru and be with her, even before his curse is broken, is just a representation of the breakthroughs that he has in the series around trust and self-worth. Um, we see how Kyo has spent most of the series relating to himself as a monster who doesn't deserve anything, partially because of his curse, partially because of what's happened in his family. And for him to chase Toru down and catch her and, you know, finally be able to vocalize all the feelings that he had. It's just like such a freaking satisfying moment. Um, and it has some of the best moments in the series, right? Like you get the infamous hugging between a bedsheet scene, you get the him finally chasing her down and them sharing a hug where he doesn't transform. Like it's all really yummy and good. Um, but then a, a side character that I also want to give a shout out to, because even though we don't like get to witness a lot of screen time around it, kind of going back to the visual storytelling, um, I love the chance to see Ritsu again, uh, because Ritsu or Richan, if you remember, is was originally cursed by the monkey spirit. And his level of insecurity in himself often led him to cross dress. 
and he presented as a girl because, you know, he was so ashamed of his own shyness and fragility that it was more acceptable for him to express that part of himself dressed as a woman. And so you have this panel where if you look at it really quickly, you almost think Yuki dyed his hair, <laughs> but it's Ritsu who is dressed in, you know, traditionally men's clothing with his hair cut short and him practicing being comfortable in the, like the truth of who he is and actually going on to explore love, going on to vocalize himself and still having those funny personality quirks and insecurities. But like talk about a physical transformation to represent him stepping into a more mental and emotional transformation, you know? Yeah, I mean, such a fun series. And honestly, I think we could do another episode just on season three and all the rest of the characters because there are so many that we didn't get a chance to really spotlight. But um, just to wrap things up, I think when it, I think this is such a good series just to look at how we form relationships and where we come from and to remind us that we always have a choice about how we show up with people. And if you're looking to make and create genuine relationships, they have to be from a place of being open to them and being open to how it goes and then releasing the things that are not meant for you and welcoming the things that are. Beautiful life lessons to wrap with. Equally important. Um, what were you the happiest or hit with the most feels to finally see properly animated after all these years? Yes, you, Mary. So what was I most happy to see animated? Yeah, or even just like what hit the nostalgia feels, like finally going from flat manga pages to fully animated. Oh my God. So season three, Christina was just like, cause in, I'd, I'd had it, like, I can't give you one moment, but in my head, I saw the storyline progress. So it was so cool to actually watch it live. And the thing about, but the thing about for me reading manga, it's like, it's static. So, but now hearing the voices, seeing them interact, it's like, it was like, oh, this is so nice. I was like, yeah, this is the way I pictured that. Or no, this is not the way I pictured this moment. But I think the one that actually gave me the feels was the interaction between Akito and Toru, especially towards the end where they're on that cliff. And it's like, after all the abuse, after all the violence, and this poor woman has already been through enough with Kyo to begin with, she's now st still standing on that cliff, extending her hand saying, will you be my friend? <laughs> and then drop <laughs> literally drop like, oh, what about you Ooh, well I already admitted that like one of my favorite scenes of all time is that scene where Toru is finally expressing everything she really feels behind the laundry and Kyo reaches through the bedsheet and hugs her because it's just like you know shoujo magic right over there but I think the other thing that I really enjoyed seeing was finally getting Hatsuharu and Rin's relationship animated. Just because to your point, Mary, like we could create a whole other <laughs> episode on some of the interpersonal relationships of these characters, but they're probably one of my favorites in the entire series. And so just getting to have more of their moments captured really hit me in the, the nostalgia feels for sure. Um, and so likewise for our listeners, you know, if you have a moment where, especially if you've been a fan of the show for a long while, if you had that scene that made you go, 
finally, you know, like you screen kept it, you watched it over and over again, you're finding it away in your happy place. Feel free to let us know in the comments, or you could even join us when we go live to talk about the episode and we can shoot out some of our favorite memories. But for now, thanks so much for joining us on our Fruits Basket adventure. If you wish we had more, as I've mentioned, we've done two other episodes featuring Fruits Basket before, one all on relationship patterns. It's really fun and juicy. It came out a couple months ago. Feel free to go give that a listen. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please consider dropping us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really, really supports us in finding other loyal listeners like you. And thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Coach Taku. For subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, D-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host? In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram, and you can follow Mary at mary, M-E-R-Y, dot the nerdy coach. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.